this is the Women Talking About Learning podcast. My name is Andrew Jacobs. Welcome. Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the Delivering Online one of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. Before we start, I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's listening, um, commenting, downloading and feeding back about women talking about learning. I read every comment and appreciate every kind word. Please listen to the end where we're going to be talking about the special imposter syndrome episode of Women Talking About Learning. Online delivery has hit home as a skill for many people in learning and development this year. Traditional face-to-face delivery has all but disappeared, at least for knowledge workers, And the Zoom culture is now a pervasive part of people's days and people's lives. Our two guests this week are experts in this area. I'm delighted to welcome them to the podcast. Our first guest is Jo Cook. Through her company, Lightbulb Moment, Jo has specialised in training learning professionals about virtual classroom and webinar design and delivery since 2013. Jo's a speaker, instructional designer and classroom facilitator. Her passion is in helping and supporting teams, professionals and organisations embrace the benefits of live online learning technology and her background includes further and higher education, charity sector, small and large and that includes organisations as as large as CNN and Bupa. Jo's great fun. Uh, If you've never met her, make sure that you seek her out at the next event. Uh, She's always uh, good fun and a good laugh. Our other guest is Michelle Kay. Michelle is a a learner-focused trainer especially around Office 365 and Microsoft 365 and all its components. Through her contracting company, she's embraced remote learning with a range of online learning platforms, uh, including MS Teams. Michelle is also really good fun to be around as well, and you'll find her at, at many events as well, should we ever get back to them. Both Joe and Michelle are active on Twitter, and you'll find their details and contact information in the show notes. This was recorded in early November 2020 via Zoom, when the UK was still under a national lockdown. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Jo and Michelle talking about delivering online. So, hi Jo, lovely to see you again. Oh, hi Michelle, it's been quite a while since we've seen each other. Yeah, well, we um, do keep missing each other at specific shows. We do all sorts of things, both work and non-work, but maybe that's something we'll come Mm. back to. Speaking of work, (laughs) we're here to talk about all things live online. Yes, which I do think is important to mention that we are going to be talking about live online, live online learning, (laughs) not just online learning, because I think I don't know about you, but I think they're, they're two slightly different things. And how would you differentiate those for people that go, huh? So, I mean, let's be honest. Um, I don't think there's a, a, a training person alive who hasn't now heard of e-learning. Everybody's mm. favourite buzzword. But e-learning, yes, it's electronic. Yes, it's remote. But if you've got questions, you can't ask them. So for me, live online learning is the closest you can get to a classroom without actually being yeah. in a classroom. You've got a, a facilitator or a trainer, whatever you want to call yourself. You've got them in the room. They are facilitating that learning. Um, although, admittedly, I've recently heard that the numbers have changed. I was always told it should usually be a maximum of uh, of eight 
give or take but apparently I've now been heard it's between sort of six and twelve I think I'm going to stick to my eight because let's be honest it's what we've always said <laughs> but it's actually that that live yeah. experience not that vote in there you will never you, you don't hear or see if you have a problem there is somebody that you can you can talk to also for me the other key thing is that interaction mm-hmm. that you've actually got people doing something it's not a webinar where you just sit and are spoken to if you're lucky um, but you're actually getting involved and you're learning you're not just receiving information I completely agree with you yeah completely agree with you I think it's it is about that live or synchronous part and I love that you say it's as close to the physical or face-to-face classroom as possible agree with that I think the the number part is really interesting I'm going to agree with you on the eight to ten uh, is what we say stretch to 12 maybe um for a webinar I would say 30 people or more which is actually quite a low number seeing as some webinars would be 50 or 80 or hundreds uh, of people but I think it's important because it's about how different things are when you're designing and you're delivering and so I would say sort of 12 to 30 is a large virtual classroom so there's a difference and a nuance to me but either way it's about being there live interacting completely agree with you yeah I mean I've I've been I suppose privileged is the correct phrase. It doesn't feel like that when you're doing it. Um, to be a part of um, monthly webinars, um, it may just push a teeny bit. It's with the uh, Learning and Development Specialist Group from the BCS. I'm a committee member. And we run a webinar every month. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's not just that it's a webinar. It's actually the software that we're having to use. There's no interactivity. There's not even a chat, which oh. personally, yes, exactly. I have an issue with. Um, it's, <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> in that respect, it's the software. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, um, I got to that point actually last week. I did write two blogs, a little bit of a push there as well. Um, that actually, you know, it, it's not just about what software that you're using it's what facilities Mm -hmm. um sometimes you have a choice which is lovely and you can choose it but so often if you're working for or with a particular company you have to use what they do yeah or what they have and they've paid for and that actually does make a big difference to the online uh the learning and the interactions that you can do to make it meaningful unfortunately i've had too many experiences where there's been so many people on the session um i've used usually it's been skype for business and Mm -hmm. it ends up just being actually more of a demo where it's like okay here's my screen let's just do this let let me just show you that i try ask questions to make it that little bit more but it can be really difficult Mm. and why so there's two questions in here why for you is the interaction so important and the second kind of sub question is if you haven't even got chat what what impact does that make to your webinars so um in terms of our our webinars the reason why for me interactive is is important the the most uh, silliest one is that actually you're keeping people engaged you're keeping them active which let's be honest is really uh, it's really hard to do i mean okay we all know that you know, if you've got a mobile phone if you're sitting on a laptop if you're sitting on a computer of any type um you'll be doing other things but actually if you you do a session and it's interactive you're so engaged 
with the whole topic that actually you don't have time to do anything else. And yeah. I proved that we had um, Henry Stewart from Happy do one of our webinars. I try and live tweet. I barely got any out. <laughs> he was so interactive. And I was, of course, part of the session, not just uh, as well as tweeting. She, I'm frantically trying to type at the same time. And, and there was a few tweets, but there wasn't many to keep up with mm-hmm. it. So it, it's about pulling people in, getting them involved with things. Um, the negative... Um, from my perspective about the lack of even the basic chat um, is actually that you lose so many questions Mm. you lose thoughts and ideas because I mean I've I've done it in other places somebody puts a comment up you can expand it you can uh, agree with them you can take it in a different tangent and all of those types of things Um, and for me absolutely the basic chat the to and fro chat is actually for me it's completely um is completely um basic it's key if you don't have that mm, for me that's yeah. that's now turning into webinar yeah i agree and i think what's even, been, oh i think we had a little bit of delay there <laughs> yeah i mean similar to you is is if you don't have chat um then you can't have that interaction and i know when i attend a webinar if chat is either presenter only uh, I for questions. I mean, that's that's okay. That's that's at least a positive. But if there's no chat with the other participants, it's immediately on my second screen, and it's now talk radio. And um, because they're not usually they're not planning to engage you, they're not planning to get your opinion. And then you get your presenters because that's what they are. Then saying things like, "Well, I don't know how many of you do blah de blah de blah," but. And it's like, well, of course you don't know because you're not asking. And so there is the interaction yeah. engagement kind of keeping you with them point. But from my perspective, as a facilitator rather than a presenter, is I want to know if you're with me or not. I want feedback on your learning, your understanding, your application. And absolutely. And this kind of brings me on to let's talk about how can we actually use chat because i know from the training courses i deliver a lot of people actually get quite worried about chat whether that's in a virtual classroom with eight to ten people or with more than that so what's your personal experience uh, and maybe tips on how to deal with chat i mean this is this is one that i've picked up um for for those that that may not know me joe you probably already know this i love picking up tips and tricks this Definitely. is where OneNote kicks in. Everything gets written down. Um, and I'm, I'm a bit of a fiend. I've got, actually, I've found stuff that's back from 2000, some tips that I've still got. Wow. Which was quite nice. Um, so some of the ones that I've seen that I really like um, is you can, you can just ask a really simple question. Um, you know, do you like this? Or, you know, would you do this that a yes no question and you can actually just get people to type yes you can Mm -hmm. get them if they're if they're a bit handier if they want to do an emoticons i mean i do i do really love the um the quick uh, emoticon feedbacks that you can get in quite a lot of software these days where you can just say you know it's a yes no question we know that those aren't the best type of question but they can be a really useful thing to use Mm -hmm. one of the ones actually i think i'm nicking it from henry probably um was that you ask a question um and you actually 
get people to type it into the chat, but you don't get them to send it yet. Ah, the chat hold and send technique. I love it. Yes, that one. Yes. Which is really nice because um, while it's nice to get people bouncing ideas off each other, Mm-hmm. It's also nice to get people's own ideas and their own thoughts. And some people are fast and, you know, some of us are really fast typists and we can, we can whoosh, 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 and then it goes. And some people are, are want to have a think first mm-hmm. um, or they're a, a little bit, you know, not sure what to type. They've, they've got their idea, but they don't really know what to type yet. Yep. So that, that one's, that one's kind of there. So yes, the chat hold and, and type, you know, and send is, is a really nice one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, th- there's, there's a number of different ways that, that people can use it. What's, what's, what's one of your favorites? Oh, well, the chat, hold and send is a lovely technique. Like you dis- like you describe, especially when it's like, it's an alternative to a poll. So you don't get people's, yeah. uh, decisions swayed. So I like that one, but I like, I just like chat overall and I ask lots of questions. So I think a top mm. tip uh well two top tips kind of rolled into one is first of all at the beginning of your webinar or virtual classroom or or even a meeting perhaps is have a screen grab of what chat looks like in your platform especially if you need everybody to change the send to everyone or all participants Mm -hmm. or whatever it is if you need them to make sure it's working and zoom webinar is like that you have to change it it's not a default and, and ask that, you know, explain it to them, say we're going to use it a lot and ask them a question, like get in there straight away and yeah, reference and it, what's there. It doesn't, the first question doesn't have to be one that's 100% relevant to no. your topic. It can be, you know, let's be honest, if you're dealing with a lot of uh, you know, British people, it could be one of the ever-present questions of what's the weather like near yep. you? <laughs> I always joke on a webinar think, like I'm British I have to ask what the weather is <laughs> <laughs> I know you've got those uh yeah what's your favorite color you know what's your favorite food group I've seen you know uh, all of those yeah. different ones um I don't think I think depending on the question kind of may define who 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 kind of answers more because let's be honest you can you can get females seriously into that topic just like you can guys um so I don't think it, it really matters. I think it's more their personality about who's going to actually reply. Mm. Are, are you somebody who's a bit more open mm-hmm. and will happily type text in? Because don't forget, it's got your name against it. Yes. Um, yeah. Then, whereas things like the polls, they can be completely anonymous. So I think people are more likely to answer generally. Yeah. Um, but you, you've got to be... Um, you've got to be that type of person who will answer it. But then again, as facilitators, um, if we can, and it, it always comes down to that time question, doesn't it? Mm. If we can, we really want some, we, we want to be able to try and call on everybody. We might not read everything out, but we'd like to, I mean, I suppose that's the advantage of the smaller rooms, mm-hmm. the smaller, you know, the, the smaller numbers, numbers yeah. you do have the, you've got that you've got that time and opportunity to actually yeah I can see one from I can see from Joe I can see from Bill from Brian Penelope how about you you you've actually got that time and and the interaction interactivity (laughs) to speak um to actually then be able to call on everybody so again little differences like that between what we're calling our live online classroom 
mm-hmm. and things like webinars where you just yeah. don't have the you don't you have too many people mm. um, to be able to start calling on individuals and as long as you get enough responses then it kind of works but yeah. as we said that is a huge difference between the live online training and things like the webinars and meetings and it's all about you know neither one is right nor wrong it's about how they are different and what purpose they serve and therefore how you design and deliver for them so the webinar you can absolutely get amazing interaction but it has to be much more broad brushstroke you're not dealing with Bob and his specific question and really focusing on his learning needs you might answer his question as part of the whole group um and and that's very very different and I think with that chat window or any interaction tool it's about saying well how does this replicate what I might do normally face to face and how is it different so the chat window like you say you can use it for just ask a question here are the responses read them out maybe individually or summarize them depending on the session the software the time the platform the uh, personality of your own delivery style all those things um but the other thing is what's different between them so for example i know when i do i do quite a lot of conference speaking you know prior to 2020 uh where we could do that (laughs) face to face and i would then feel really lost without my chat window because I could see 50, 200, whatever faces, nodding, smiling, you know, I could interpret their body language. That was great. But what they can't Mm. do is tell me what they're thinking. With a chat window, you can type that in and ask me a question or tell me what you think any time. And I can pick up on that or not, weave it in or not. But when you're then, and I'm talking about presenting rather than training where you might have more conversation, but you do, I lose that so that is actually a massive bonus to have something like that in a virtual classroom or a webinar I think I mean it, it, you can I don't think I can see it if we if we do fingers crossed somehow go back to to classrooms can you can almost try and picture people saying right we're just going to pause Kent and let's have a quick conversation <laughs> <laughs> oh wait a minute we're doing this face to face uh, sorry, that would be the chat window. <laughs> Do you know, it's so sad. It's, that even, it's an interesting thought. It is. Even at like family Christmases or something, the joke will come out at some point, like everybody green tick if you agree, you know, because nobody's saying anything. <laughs> so I, I kind of say that and everybody kind of goes, all right, calm down. Um, but it is about, I, I think when a lot of people are newer to live online delivery, they get worried by the tech. There's, they see it as um, in in between them and their participant. Their participant is remote from them, possibly can't see them on webcam or probably. It's a little bit different this year. You know, 2020 has made some changes. Mm. But they see that as a barrier and a challenge. And they see that it's completely different from what they do face to face. And I talk a lot about digital body language I talk a lot about deconstructing your face-to-face experience and then rebuilding it online so what are the ways that you see that kind of people being able to get over that or how have you done that yourself to embrace live online part of it has actually been a phone call quite literally um mostly because they haven't set something up 
with the, the company that I'm working with at the moment, we've been telling them for months, months, like since March, please install this piece of software to make your audio work. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter how many times or how many different ways you tell them, they still don't do it. So you end up having to phone them and saying, you need to do this. I mean, I've had quite a few people who have said, can you please call me because I can't run it through the system. Mm -hmm. Uh, The sound is horrible. And they always blame the tech rather than thinking, is there a reason it doesn't work? Uh, Uh, Is my Wi-Fi not strong enough? mm -hmm. Uh, Am I sitting in a room with people around me? Or even, I mean, I've... We, we look back to the fond days this year of summer when it really was summer. You want to have the window open. You yeah. want to get some of that fresh air, the warmth and everything into your home. And of course, depending on where you lived, that could mean birdsong, which is nice, but can be a bit loud yeah. and frequently meant all the traffic outside. Well, what traffic there was outside <laughs> and other things. Mm. Um, so yeah, they, they haven't always thought so. It's actually ended up with me making a phone call because I have no other alternative if I can't use the system, which is what I prefer to do, because I like talking with my hands. <laughs> and of course, if I've got a phone in my hand, it kind of is a little bit restrictive in that respect. Um, but to actually then, and I have to convince them that, no, actually, it works fine. Mm-hmm. Can you do that? Yeah, please do that. Um, I mean, uh, the, the biggest issue for me is working with some companies especially this year when people started going on furlough they actually had to do more stuff with less people so actually there wasn't time for them to have you know training uh, so I've got yeah. to be if I can get the time I've got to be quick I've got to be the put the, to the point but most importantly I've still got to make sure that there is some learning taking place mm-hmm. not that I'm just telling them you click here you click there you're done yeah which is as a trainer that that when you've got how do I do it you kind of just sometimes just want to tell them yes which will work in sometimes but it won't in others because just because you've told them they're not going to remember no and that's that's all of this stuff I mean I can I can talk uh, most people who know me are, are quite aware of this fact I can <laughs> talk when you get me rolling um but that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody are learning I have always Mm. said as a trainer my job is to make myself redundant I hope it doesn't happen soon but that's always been my job so I need to make sure that people are actually learning yeah but they're open to the learning I mean I've even done quick little you know quick tips sometimes the tips have been more interesting and more widely received than actually my training which is sad but true (laughs) but what it highlights is you know what people need to do and therefore you're helping them do that in the quickest easiest way possible and that doesn't always mean coming into any type of training any type of classroom be it face-to-face live online e-learning or anything else so what you're doing is showing your understanding of your audience and their needs within the organization and providing them what they need so almost the opposite of making yourself redundant you're making yourself more valuable because you're giving people what helps them when they need it that's the end of my pep talk for today (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate that very much Uh, and i'm sure it's not just for me but for all the trainers and people Everybody needs pet talk. Yes. Not not just us poor underpaid trainers. <laughs> and I think you make a really interesting point about how we make people feel. 
So one of the things we concentrate on, so so what I do largely in my business mm-hmm. is train trainers on how to design and deliver virtual classrooms or webinars. And a lot of that time... Because... Go on. Because that is... We, we, that's a big point is... Just because you, you, you've, you've been used to designing training for a classroom doesn't mm. mean you can wholesale just take it up and put it into Absolutely any not. learning platform. They are, they are similar in that you're getting information across mm-hmm. and that you're making a good time learning for mm-hmm. them, but you can't just put it wholesale. So, no. Joe, you are a star in that respect. Oh, you are very, very kind. That's my pep talk. Um, and, and I think, <laughs> but it is about design delivery it's about making people feel a certain way so I have to make I don't have to I take it upon myself to make my attendees feel like they can do it so it's all about uh, like in our, our very first session of our course we do we spend a fair amount of time on an activity going basically what are the skills you need as a teacher trainer facilitator which one of those do we need for live online oh look basically it's all of them um and it's one of those things of I could tell you that in 30 seconds and move on but it's much more powerful for you to have that realization and to feel that all the way through yeah and that's something that when you're you know and it's easy to go into the tell when time is short when maybe resources aren't there all of those things and I've exactly made that mistake myself um but what we're losing then is the humanity part of it we're losing the connection and that's what I really focus on is is the technology being the enabler and then what can you do with that to get you somewhere so you mentioned about how we have to design differently that you can't lift Mm. wholesale let's talk about that for a moment and so what would be some of your kind of (laughs) top mistakes you've seen or done or tips for how to handle that I mean, so many to choose from. (laughs) Oh, there is, there is indeed. Um, And one of the things for me, it's, it's, you've actually got, okay, so one of the things that I always did was, Mm -hmm. of course, wandered around the room. I loved wandering around the room. Good exercise, helped everybody. (laughs) Um, Not peering over everybody's shoulder because that's just scary, quite frankly. Um, But to be there to see that they're okay or that they're Mm -hmm. not okay, of course, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. Very difficult. I mean, it's not impossible to do that, but it's very difficult to do that. Um, It's very different, isn't it? Well, again, I mean, the, the biggest issue is in terms of your original, you know, in your classroom, um, you would you would know that you need to do this, you ask them to do that, da 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 da. Um, but everybody kind of thinks, oh, I'm online. We can do this really short. It takes yeah. no time. Well, I don't know. Uh, did you want me to just chalk and talk at you? Mm-hmm. Or should that be uh, mouse and talk at you? Doesn't <laughs> have quite the same ring anymore. Um, I can do that. You won't really learn anything, but we can do that in five minutes flat, basically. Mm. Um, or did you actually want people to come away with some understanding? Yeah. Um, and of course, I mean, I, I, I've done courses uh, and the bit that we design is not just, you know, some notes, you know, you do need to know it, obviously, but it's not just mm-hmm. some notes saying, here's the key points. It's like, okay, well, how do you make it interactive? What can they do? Mm. Um, do you have time for everybody to do it? 
in which case you actually need different versions of it because you don't want everybody to do the exact same yes. job. Yes. Oh, that's, that's annoying. Boring. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. Yeah. Uh, the you know, ask a question and and you don't really. Yeah. No, my answer is exactly the same as Brian over there. Um. So yeah, you you've got to have you, you've got to have different versions. Mm. It's got to fit together. Yeah. Can you imagine? somebody drew you know, uh, a line and then somebody else drew something else that could that could be interesting if you're doing an artistic drawing of some sort but it's got to be put together it's got to be relevant for the topic yeah. um so yeah i mean i i like having some tools you can't and you don't have to do all of them i mean some of my favorite ones um are from you know some of the courses that i've, I've seen which are you know the the whole sort of the whiteboard version with the annotations the annotation tool i think is amazing um so some of the sessions that i've de designed i haven't necessarily run them but i have designed them um is that you can actually get people to to draw around things uh yes. and then you can say to everybody so and so has chosen this do you agree that they're right or wrong they could yeah. put a thumbs up they could do a tick they can draw a a tick or something you know there's so many different facilities to do this that actually takes seconds to achieve but as you said earlier one of the key things is that they have to know how to use the tool to get the best out of it so whatever time you've got to almost do one of two things you've either got to have carve out some time at the beginning mm -hmm. to make sure that they, they can have a very quick play with the tools make sure they're happy to use it or you've got to try and try and organize a session earlier that actually says, um, you know, let's let's go through the tools. If you haven't used this before, let's go yeah. through these tools. And then when you come to the session, you're ready to do that. So what's been what's your favorite tips or tricks? Share some some mm. nuggets of delight. Nuggets of delight. I love the way you phrase that. So, so I agree with you about the tech. You do have to teach that. I, I try and teach a few things at the beginning. And then as we go through, if I think, right, we'll do an activity with the annotation stamp tools, which I love too, I'll have a slide going, right, here's the stamp tools. Uh, this is how you turn them on or access them or where they are. And let's practice. Let's have a, a slide full of all these things. And then, right, let's go on to the next slide and go, here's the activity. And I do that for the different things. Um, in terms of design, I actually tell people to start with design on what would they do face to face? It's kind of counterintuitive. It's like, what? Forget the tech and the live online bit. Because the way I look at it is a good activity for learning transfer and, and being able to do something is a good activity. It's the right thing to do regardless. If you'd normally do it with a flip chart, we have a whiteboard. If you'd normally do it as a discussion, you can have open microphones or use the chat and so on. So then it is about, well, what tools have you got using a variety and all those good things that you've said and really understanding your platform um, because each one is different. Each one has its own nuances and the activities you run in one versus another can really make a difference as to how you run that activity in some way significantly. So that activity I explained just now about what skills do we use. I run it in lots of different platforms and it's completely different in some platforms mm. to another. So that's really important. And after that, I mean, what we're thinking about here with everything that we've talked about is how we start building up our knowledge and our experience, you know, our skills and expertise, basically. What are some of the things that you've done to develop your own practice? So I read quite a lot. 
I mean, there is fantastic things on LinkedIn these days. Um, and, and I read all that. There, there's a certain lady who, who keeps posting, I think it's light bulb something, um, who gives some amazing and wonderful, useful tips and shares some great stuff. I will look so her up. Read hers, go and look her up. Um, and I'm, 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 we all know that basically it just usually comes down to play. Yeah. Um, if I mean, for example, if you're part of a training department, put some time aside with the software that you've got, create one and just pl everybody play with yes. it. Try things out. Maybe somebody's got some ideas about, oh, we could do this. Fine. Give it a go. It's not so easy for people like myself where you're using what you've been told. I mean, honestly, if I don't know Skype for Business today, something's very wrong. But I'm playing with um, MS Teams. You mm. can get a free Teams account. It's not going to do everything that your in-house one does, but it gives you a good uh, a good start. Zoom, yeah, you've got a free account. It doesn't give you everything that, again, a paid-for will do, but it gives you a good starting point. Um, I actually did attend a course. There's, there's lovely webinars, free sessions um, that different people and, and companies and places, again, offer that maybe it's not ones that you are actually taking but you can be a part of and maybe you get shown something that you didn't know before yeah and that's that's where all this comes in I, I agree options I I really love that point about attending like webinars even if it was just going attending webinars from different people in different companies I still learn about things in webinars so either it's something technical or a new platform I've never used or it's a facilitation skill or it's something where I go I do not like that I do not agree with that way of doing things oh yes a lot of that um I mean that's valuable too because it can give you confidence mm. in your own practice as long as it's properly reflective and not not just across the board um, I agree with you. There is so much out there. There are podcasts and articles and books and recordings and YouTube. So much out there that in terms of material, there's not much excuse to go and find something to, to develop your skills. I think if you're at the, the no or low budget end, there's loads of stuff. If, you've, yeah. or if you're either on your own or as part of a team, I agree with you it's playing with the technology and in an ideal world you might have a second computer you know I've got like my old laptop that sits next to yeah. me can't tell you how old it is um or, or just your mobile phone and just doing those things of well if I click here what happens or how does it look mm. for the attendee that's what brings out confidence live online because I think a lot of the time when we're face to face, we have confidence in our in our classroom because we set the tables and the chairs. We've got our handouts ready. We know our activities. We know we're going to move people to the flip charts at the corner of the room or whatever our thing is. And we've got to get that version of comfortable and confident live online. And the only way, as we've said, is to have a go and play. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can get people to feedback, you even Playing better. by yourself is all very well and good and, and it may it may be all that you can do but if you can get I mean honestly family get your family yeah. and friends in when I first learned learn I got my mum clicking stuff I learned more with my mum clicking things and me going oh my goodness how what has she done and how do I fix it 
than I did. You know, I learned which, a lot playing on my own, but yeah, that uh, was that was valuable. Which you kind of need because you want yeah. that experience and that knowledge for when things go wrong, so that yes. you're not flustered and you know what to do. Yes. Or it may be that you can't fix it, but that you know how to handle it, yeah. and then try and move something on. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Michelle, I feel a bit like we've put the world to rights in a tiny little <laughs> bubble here. Um, and, and I've really enjoyed chatting with you and catching up with you. Joe, it is always a pleasure, always oh. a pleasure to have a chat with you, whether it's about personal or professional stuff. Thank Absolutely. you so much for sharing. Oh, well, I look forward to bumping into you at the next conference, exhibition or <coughs> comic con, another topic uh, for another day. <laughs> <laughs> I was delighted when Michelle and Joe agreed to do this podcast because I know they're experts in the topic of online delivery and that expertise shone through. Again, we're sorry for some of the internet burps and hope they didn't spoil your enjoyment of the conversation. What I got from that was... Michelle and Joe starting by actually pulling out the different strands of what people call online in terms of delivery. The conversation about tips, about how to use chat, I think also really useful, and I'll be using some of their techniques. And as they said, get your family and friends to see what you're doing. All of my family have listened to women talking about learning, uh, and I've only got better at the editing through, through playing with the software myself. Massive thanks again to Joe and Michelle for yet another cracking episode. You can find out more about Jo and her work via her website, that's lightbulbmoment.online, and you can find her on Twitter at lightbulbjo, no E on the end of Jo. Michelle's musings can be found on her blog, and that's mitschka, M-I-T-S-H-K, dot wordpress dot com, and Michelle's also on Twitter, as Mitchka as well, M-I-T-S-H-K. We've started receiving MP3s for the imposter syndrome episode. If you missed it, we're going to create a compilation podcast with lots of three-minute segments from Women in Learning. Just so you know how big the issue is, KPMG researched imposter syndrome earlier this year and they published some results in October. They showed that 75% of executive women reported having personally experienced imposter syndrome at certain points in their career. 85% of the respondents believed it was commonly experienced by women. 74% of executive women believe their male counterparts do not experience feelings of self-doubt as much as female leaders do. And a whopping 81% believe they put more pressure on themselves so not to fail than maybe men do. So we want to hear your experiences with imposter syndrome, how it's affected you, how you've overcome it, how maybe you still struggle with it. It's entirely down to you as to what you want to tell us. All we need you to do is record an MP3, make sure you say your name at the start, or if you wish, say that you want to be anonymous, make sure it's no more than three minutes, and then send it to us, hello at larn.com. That's hello at larn.com. L-L-A-R-N dot com Thank you for listening. Remember to like and subscribe to Women Talking About Learning and we'll see you again soon. You have been listening to the Women Talking About Learning podcast. 
Women Talking About Learning is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music and Alexa, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or your favourite podcast app. You can get in touch with Women Talking About Learning via email on Twitter at WTAL underscore podcast or via our website womentalkingaboutlearning.com Make sure you tune in next time for more women talking about learning for more of the signal, none of the noise.